Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello. Very risque opening. Yeah. So joining us is Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. I took an extra second because Jed had to wipe the pizza off his hands <laughs> before he reached for the mic. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a communications professional, people. Yeah, joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors at Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hey, folks. <laughs> What's going on? Okay, we start out this week with me declaring an emergency. Woo! Wait, it's almost wait. unprecedented. Wait a second. I thought we were just going to get down to the show here. That's what you like to do. I didn't think that would happen at all, actually. I, I like to get into the actual... You know, answering people's questions. Not this time, Fitzgerald. Despite Glenn's best efforts week to week, we end up futzing around for 20 minutes at the top of the show. And this week, it's for a real reason. We had something come into the Twitters, my personal Twitter, from our friend Amy, who uh, was looking at the iBooks app on her phone, or her iPad, iPad it looks like, and uh, was just kind of scrolling through the little top sellers list there. They give you some stuff, and she had wrote... Scrolled down to a section where she found her old friend Joel Osteen. Okay. Oh, that's lovely. You may guess, you know, Christian or, uh, you know, inspiration or whatever. Right. This was a Joel Osteen book in the romance section of my books. Wow. (laughs) It had, apparently, Joel Osteen has a book called I Declare. (laughs) Well, you can't be a cartoon of a Southern person without your book being called I Declare. Right. 31 Promises to Speak Over Your Life. Okay. okay. By New York Times best-selling author Joe Osteen, and uh, if him having that title doesn't mean it should be worth less than I'll just pick a number at random here two hundred thousand dollars to pay to get that title, it just seems like it wouldn't be worth as much. But he's in the romance section. There's five books featured in the romance uh, bestsellers on iTunes. Uh, Joel is the. They all feature pictures of uh, men. Joel's is the only one that features. A picture of a man with a shirt on or a face. <laughs> wow. You got your blue lines, your wild heat. Wild heat. You're wanted. Wanted. And ruined. And then ruined. I, I declare ruined. by Joel Osteen. Yeah. Okay. Is it wrong that I want to buy a copy of Ruined to see if there's any spiritual content to it? Not at all. Really depends on what you mean by spiritual I mean it. it <laughs> I mean it sounds. It sounds like uh, you know someone struggling with uh, you know uh, uh, you know uh, sin life issues. You think maybe a redemptive tale of somebody who hit rock bottom, hit rock bottom, and now has to uh, take off their, their shirt. Power. And sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah. literally lost his shirt, Glenn, in the gambling. That's right. He doesn't he, have a shirt. He, he has his pecs just out there for the world to see. <laughs> Absolutely right. He's been ruined. <laughs> Well, so what you're telling me, because let's, I'm going to, you know, I feel like this is a place where we're going to be honest with one another. Go sure. to let's talk about Talk about our, our issues and things and concerns. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. Okay. As, as apparently super famous as Joel Osteen is. Yeah. I have not read a single word that he has writ. Okay. But. I did not know that there was romantic fiction in Joel Osteen books, and suddenly I'm intrigued. It really is a curveball. 
Yeah. It's kind of like there may, if there's a musical artist that you know he's out there, but you're not really interested in him just for whatever reason, then it comes out. Garth Brooks made a jazz fusion album. You go, well, he's not my kind of guy, and that's right. not really my kind of music, but I may have to just take a peek yeah. at what this is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an overlap I wasn't expecting. Yeah, if you're looking at four recommendations of books that have shirtless guys with no faces. <laughs> sure. Just just chests. Which I'm sure Amy found that totally by accident while she was looking for something totally. very holy. Yeah. That's a co- total, like, doesn't have anything to do with previous searches. But <laughs> if... if She's such a nice lady who works to help orphans. Why, why must we make fun? <laughs> well, let's, you know, let's talk about it now. But here's the thing is, um, you know, if Joel Osteen can be listed amongst that kind of book, you know, there must be some steamy passages in there. Well, I'm actually I'm downloading right now a sample of the latest Joel Osteen book. Oh, fantastic! Read some some really choice clips for okay. us. The kind of you know steamy things. We're all going to desperately hope this does not uh, backfire on us. Let me let now, me find. Now, Jed, I, I want it's you a heavily to, edited medium. Don't worry. As you're it. as you're pulling this up, I want you to read it in a voice that would approximate Joel Osteen's voice. Also, I want to make well, let's make sure you download the right preview because if your finger goes. A scant four inches to the left, you have actually accidentally downloaded a preview of Wild Heat. Well, I have Heat. It's funny you should say that because I have here Wild Heat by Joel Osteen. Oh, the latest Joel Osteen book. That's what I. That's what I've downloaded. And you want my Joel Osteen impression? Sure. (laughs) Well, Maya Jackson was going to find the bastard who killed her little brother, and she was going to make him pay. So you saw that was the first sentence of it, and he you just with powered it. on with the bit on my podcast. Is that what just happened? No way. I want. We need more breath. Give me more breathy. More breathy. She turned the key. Yeah, that's it. In the lock of Tony's cottage on the edge of the Tahoe National Forest, and her throat grew tight. How could he be dead? Gone. <laughs> Let me tell you what. I will. If Jed will narrate that whole book, I'll buy that book. I tell you what, <laughs> Jed Brewer, Osteen audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I expected from a Joe Osteen book, but it wasn't that. Yeah, well, now here's what we've learned, people. Is if you put words in front of Jed on the podcast, he'll read them Ron Burgundy <laughs> style, no matter what they are. <laughs> yes, I, I think that is. Uh, <laughs> I was promised this was an editable medium. Uh, I think what we've learned is. If you title your Christian book just right, sure. it will show up in all sorts of other places, <laughs> see, and be appreciated by other audiences. So I think um, what we need okay. to do is publish our own Christian book, uh, but come up with a title, you know, that is provocative. Better than Wild Heat. Better than, in the vein of a Wild Heat, you okay. know. Okay. But with spiritual overtones. Right. Okay. Well, what was Osteen's book called again? I declare. Huh. I wildly declare. Yeah, that's we're getting there. We're in the right know. direction. Yeah. So now yeah. you're just. A, we should just do a sci-fi style thing where you just rip off popular Christian books and uh, make them for like, cheaper. Like if it, yeah. it. Like if it were. Uh. Night declarations. Oh, I like night declarations. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> it's like a weird morning and evening. Like you're, meets Joel yeah, yeah, you're you're praying like. night. You're praying at night on, <laughs> just before you go to bed. You know. Well, I, I actually I have right here a passage from Night Declaration. Oh, fantastic! From the, you know, from the treatment. Yeah. And, and Astral Osteen, please. A guy in a baseball cap <laughs> opened the door. Can I help you with something? A drink, she said, surprised by how raspy her voice sounded. I need a drink. <laughs> and you're done. <laughs> Yes. Yes. We are going to get sued by so very many people. <laughs> Admit it. If we made that, you would totally buy it. Oh, I'd buy man. every copy. Night declaration. That's I'd buy copies for six, I'd buy eleven thousand copies for my friends to distribute across the United States. Steamy night declarations. By Joel Osteen. By Joel Osteen. I'd buy that book. <laughs> so I think we've hit on a, an amazing marketing technique here. Let me throw out an alternate uh, theory here. I'm wondering if maybe uh, Brother Osteen's uh, iTunes dominance has now just gotten so great, he's just bleeding into other things. Yeah, just whatever you want to read, his face is there. Sure. You're looking for a nice historical fiction about pre-Roman era, and all of a sudden, just a Joel Osteen book. Well... He's learned how to game the system. Right. <laughs> well, you know, recently we were talking about this... Uh, uh, a few weeks back that Lee had a concert and right. you know what Jed and I think in a very Christian way Jed said you know what let's bury the hatchet yeah and invite Joel Osteen to appear it's true so that we could all have a uh, unity mm -hmm. and love and bonding so my question is did he actually show up he did not I think I can I was there I can state unequivocally he did not which is sad because, as we pointed out, it was kind of the event of the Knoxville show, social season. It can only be viewed as a snub. Do so, you think it was an intentional snub, or is he just too busy on the tour to promote night declarations? Well, well not only was he not at Lee's concert, the last time one of us, that being Glenn, ventured to Houston is when he was in Knoxville. We know right. from a previous episode again. So uh sounds like he's doing a little avoiding. I think what we're dealing with here is a slap in the face. Okay. And on that basis, I declare a secondary emergency. Wow, the Double rare emergency. secondary emergency. Because here's what I'm <laughs> here's what I'm trying to say is, we uh, last time I was out of town, you guys went crazy, yeah, and said we'll challenge Glenn to a, a preach off with yeah. Joel Osteen right. and to see winner take all on budgets, mm -hmm. and uh, we didn't even hear anything on that. We didn't. Not at okay. all. No, so true. now we say, you know what? Okay, you're hiding. Mm -hmm. And I think legally, I don't know. We have to check with the lawyers. Sure. I think legally that means he defaulted. Absolutely. Which means we get all his money. Well, I mean, if we have to. Which is roughly a zillion dollars. Yes. Do you think maybe he wrote night declarations because he knew he would have to refill the coffers? Something. I think there's a, a distinct possibility. You know, but what happens is... Uh, we said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna squash this beef. Mm -hmm. You guys, we're gonna we're gonna make a piece here. Doesn't even show up for that. Yeah, I think you know uh, this is he's trying to declare war. I think he is. I think he is. I I wonder if he's gone Rocky Four style into okay. an extreme Russian training regimen sure. for the preach off. Right. You know, a lot yeah. of, you know, cutting down trees. Yeah. Carrying logs around. Almost certainly. Waist deep snow. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Chasing chickens. <laughs> Chasing chickens. That's I think that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Uh and uh you know, meanwhile cuz I think what's happening is he's not he's not, you know what I mean, he's not in the operation. Right, right. So what he's got is he's got his flunkies writing books for him. So you're saying are you trying to tell me that Night Declarations was ghostwritten? I'm trying to say there's every cuz I the Joe Lowstein I know. Right. Which I do not know him. Right. But he's more of a Danielle <laughs> Steele man. Not really even his public persona, do you know? Let me tell you what. If Joe Lowstein was going to write some romantic fiction, yeah. steamy yeah. romantic fiction. Yeah. Psychologically taught. Psychologically taught, if you will. The kind that would have a bare-shirted male chest on, on the, the front cover. You know, no, no shirt male chest on the cover. Yeah. With with abs. No, a bare-shirted male chest would be the Rocky IV version of it. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. But the 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 uh if 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 Joel Osteen was going to do that, you it would be a level up from this. Okay. You know. Okay. And you know what else? Tell me. Everybody with all this romantic physical interaction that takes place in these uh this in Texas we call them bodice rippers. Right. Okay. That's with these bodice rippers. Is these, bodice a Texan term? <laughs> no. Did that originate in Texas? A lot of bodices going around. I don't know if they use that term elsewhere. These, these, you know, romantic. But here's what here's what it is. If it if Joel Osteen's writing one of these bodice rippers, these yeah. romantic fictions, you know what? Everybody'd be a lot more polite. Oh, sure. that's true. See what I mean? That's true. Well, Here's what I'm thinking, though. Since since Osteen did not show up for the preach-off throwdown against Glenn in Houston, yeah. since he did not accept the olive leaf of coming to the concert and burying the hatchet once and for all, right. I think the only thing left for us to do is for Glenn to write a spiritual, steamy, crossover, pulp, romance novel yeah. Right? Yeah. of his own and just go ahead and climb the charts. Yeah, I've got your pitch. Go for That's it. We're gonna get. We're gonna get. We're really gonna get Osteen's goat with this one. All right. It's about a, a megachurch pastor in the South with just really outstanding teeth. Yeah. And it's called Fifty Shades of White. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. That uh, on the basis of that can't be topped. Emergency <laughs> off. Emergency uh, off. I declare Matt is the winner. Thank you. Uh, I waited in appropriate emergency. Matt for the win. I was sitting on that one for about three minutes. I'm really glad Lee came through with a way to bridge that to what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes uh, the stars really align here on the podcast. And uh, all of you that... Uh, that was kind of a bump set spike. Yeah. What if, if any of you would like to write in any uh, comments on the inappropriate nature of that, uh, write to Matt King, yeah. care sure. of the uh, internet yes. at Google. Google. And uh, he's responsible because I like to keep it clean. Sure. sure. Okay. That's you like how to I do. get right to the wisdom and keep it clean. Those that's, are your two that's how joys I like, in life. That's how I like to do it. Okay. We're going to move Night on. Night declarations. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on. <laughs> We don't we don't have romance novels that we're willing to try it out. So if you want to support us, we're willing to try anything. Sure. <laughs> There's a line from Stripes I am not quoting right now. All right, we are willing to learn. Okay. We are willing to learn. But if you do want to get writings from us every month, some devotionals, some Bible studies, here's some, some sermons, steamy writing, some songs. There's some. Sure, maybe they're Stevie occasionally. You can't even do the bridge box pitch. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna to, see I'm how far I can go before just Matt snaps. 
that is all out loud something you said to me during my first year working here, and you were not referring to the podcast. That's, that's true. All right, so missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Lots of great stuff for your walk, and you support the ministry we're doing right here in Chicago. Uh, that's uh, eight dollars a month. That's l- much less than a uh, you know mid-range fast food meal out, and lots of cool stuff for your walk. Try it out. MissionUSA.com/slash/bridgebox. You can get the special Lee Younger branded version. MissionUSA.com/slash/bbly. All right, we're gonna get into our first question. Came into our Tumblr. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you the ways you can give us a question. It says. How do you know if your prayer is good enough? Sometimes when I pray, God doesn't answer me. Am I doing this wrong? How can I improve? Lee, kick us off. Uh, absolutely. Well, um, thanks for writing in a question for us. The, the first thing that I would say on this is that I, I wouldn't be so concerned with doing prayer wrong. I would be more concerned with measuring this in the wrong way. Um, I would say you're looking at the wrong metric. If... If the if the metric that we're judging the efficacy of our prayers by is how much how often and how much they get answered, then uh, then nobody's doing this thing well, including I should add Jesus himself. I mean, when you look in the scriptures, you go to the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus goes to the cross, and it, the Book of Matthew says he prayed three different times for God to take this cup away from him. You know, can, can we do this any other way? And that prayer was not answered. Um, so, so right off the bat, you know, we don't measure whether or not we're doing prayer wrong by whether or not they get answered, because even even Jesus has you know offered prayers that weren't answered. Um, one thing that I love when when you look at um, when you look at the way that Jesus talked about prayer was that to Jesus, the main thing about praying was to just get... I mean, this is literally the way that Jesus taught his guys to pray, was to get in God's face and just slog it out. Uh, there's, a, there's a parable in the 18th chapter of Luke where he talks about a woman who is, comes before an unjust judge, and she just is pleading, do this for me, do this. And she's just pouring out her heart, do this for me. I need you to do this thing for me. And the unjust judge says, all right, enough is enough. And he says, give her what she wants, not because I want justice to be done, but because she is wearing me out. And that's what, that, and, and it says that Jesus told this parable because he wanted to teach his disciples to always pray and never give up. That's what he said. And when that, in the original language, when you kind of dive into that parable a little bit farther down, in the original language, when the unjust judge says, this woman is wearing me out, that is a phrase that's used elsewhere. It's, it's a Greek phrase that literally means to give a black eye. In other words, this woman is punching me in the face, so give her what she wants. And that was Jesus' way of talking about prayer. If you want to know whether or not you're doing it right, the real question to ask is not, is God answering exactly what I want, but am I in God's face? Am I keeping it real? Am I, am I doing this thing raw? Am I just saying, you know, am I pouring my heart out to the Lord? When you look at the Psalms, when you look, I'm sure all the, you know, these guys are going to mention too, all over the Bible, you have people just getting in God's face and saying it however they need to say it, as raw as they need to say it, as real as they need to say it, and that's how you know you're doing this thing right. The, if you want to know whether or not you're doing this thing wrong, it's, am I, am I doing this to be seen by people? 
Am I doing this to call attention to myself? Am I doing this to make myself feel better than other people? When I, I we talked about this, uh, a friend of mine named Brad and I talked about this on another podcast that we do called Ancient and New. But when I was a kid coming up, we'd we'd have uh, the, the there was a super Christian thing which I'm sure Jed and Glenn remember too called See You at the Pole. Oh yeah, you guys remember this? So Christian and. So, yeah. <laughs> and this was where they got all the Christian kids together to gather around a circle around the flagpole on the National Day of Prayer around the American flag and hold hands and close their eyes, bow their heads down and pray in front of everybody because Jesus said you should pray in front of every actually no, he said go into your closet and pray in private oh. and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so they came up with a whole way of praying that flew totally in the face of everything that Jesus said about it. If you want to know if you're doing it wrong, look at that kind of stuff. Am I doing this to be seen? Am I doing this to to appear more Christian than I am? Am I doing this to feel superior to other people? But if your thing is, I just, between me and God, I get in his face, I stay in his face, I keep it as real and as raw and as honest as I can. According to Jesus, that is doing prayer as right as as it can be done. It's absolutely right. See you at the poll was done by people so Christian they didn't realize why everyone was laughing that they called their thing see you at the poll. <laughs> wow. Again, just any cards and letters you want to send in to complain. <laughs> That's Matt King made that previous comment right sure. there. Sure. Care of the internet. Clear Care of the you internet. Say something spiritual now? Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I don't know if you, because here's when you're praying, you have to both name it and claim it those are two separate steps that's right you got to get them right and get them in that order what if i claim it first and then i uh, try to name it no you got to name like crossing it crossing the streams and that's claim it everything all messed up. that's how you yeah um there's a mentality that you get going in some churches and and maybe with some individuals who don't understand that much about christianity or maybe new to it perhaps uh, that suggests that it's kind of like a, a faith slot machine where you put faith into uh, your the machine of prayer and then you pull the lever and you, you hold out your hands at the bottom and see what you get. Uh, that's not uh, what prayer is. It's not what it's for. As Lee is suggesting, this is about the conversation. This is about uh, being raw and honest with God. Um, I, I think... Though the, the main thing is uh, when we reduce, a per, when we introduce this idea of faith into uh, prayer and saying that has to do with what you get, you get a lot of confusion and you get a lot of problems. Here, here's confusion number one. If you think the only ingredient to you receiving what you pray for or not is your faith, then you're at square zero on your understanding of not only how your relationship with God works, but your understanding of basic logic. You, you, there, there is no reason why a loving person who's in a relationship with you would only give you things based on whether you believed that they would happen or not. That just There's no logic to that. Uh, the idea that faith is the only thing that would influence God one way or another really just it, it it just strains credulity in terms of what what we can tolerate in that kind of situation. Secondly, um, there's a vast difference between faith 
and wishing after something and really wanting it very, very badly. Uh, there's no special trick or ability to, to wanting something uh, and having an intense desire for it and, and all those kinds of things. Uh, that's, that's worth expressing to the Lord, as Lee was suggesting. I think he's absolutely 100% right about that. I think we also have to recognize that that isn't faith uh, and and that we shouldn't see it as such, that, that faith is an entirely different deal. Uh, finally, I think, uh, you know, what Lee was pointing out, he was talking, pointing out this the Gethsemane prayer that, that Jesus uh, in, in, was doing in his conversation with the Lord, and it was about Jesus saying, here's what I want, but thy will be done, Lord. And that's exactly the format that we're trying to suggest to you. That, um, uh, in other words, in my spiritual life, I've lived long enough to uh, pray for things, ask for things, get exactly what I prayed for. It turned into a massive disaster when I got the thing that I asked for. And I realized that from now on, my prayer needs to be, Lord, this is what I want. I want it bad. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it so much. You don't know how bad I want it. I want this thing. <laughs> gimme, 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 please, Lord. But you know better than I do. So your will be done, not mine. But I want it. And I need you to know how bad I want it. I need to work this out. I need to talk to you about why I want it. I need to you know, wrestle with it and deal with it, whatever. But I think that's what the goal is to get to a place where we're able to say, um, you know what, Lord, this is what I want, and I'm sure that I'm right to want it. But at the, at, at the end of the day, I know you know better, and uh, I want your desire for the situation to be the thing that prevails. Absolutely. Jed? Well, my friend, we appreciate you writing in, and, and I'm sorry people have told you some funky things about prayer. Um, it, it sounds like it made you wonder maybe God doesn't want to listen to a person like you, and that's not true, and I, I'm sorry people have told you that. I, for a second, let's look at something that's not spiritual at all, because I think it might help us to understand some of this. I want you to imagine for a second that you had a little uh, five-year-old child, and you're their mom or their dad, um, and your, your little, you know, Timmy, uh, your kid, is obsessed with tigers, you would want Timmy to come to you and say, Mommy, 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 can I please, please, please have a pet tiger? You, you would want Timmy to do that because Timmy likes tigers and he wants correspondingly to have a tiger and you would want him to come and ask you. But now you would also understand as Timmy's parent, um, it would not be in any way good for Timmy to have a pet tiger for said tiger would eat Timmy and that would be very, very bad. But <clears throat> you might suggest to your son a couple of things. Well, we the answer to an actual live animal is no, but we can get you a stuffed tiger and that'd be pretty cool. And we can take a trip to the zoo, and we can see real tigers there, and that'd be pretty cool. And we can get this DVD that's all about tigers and what they're like and what they do and how they live, and we can watch together, and that would be pretty cool. That would be your response as a parent in that moment. Now, but there's a couple things to note on that. One, you are in a technical sense saying no to what your child is asking for. They're, they're asking specifically, I want to have a pet tiger, and you're saying no to that. But you're saying yes to something else. You're saying, I see what you're going for. I, I see what matters to you, and I want to fulfill that desire in a healthy, safe way because I care about you, and I want it to be a shared thing. I, I don't 
just want you to have this thing and then leave you alone. When we go to the zoo, I want us to go together. When when we watch the DVD about tigers, I want us to watch it together. And then it can be a shared thing between the two of us. All of that that I've just described corresponds directly to how prayer is meant to work between you and God. You're meant to have... Um, um, a certain number of desires that don't really make a lot of sense, but that you're going to go uh, express to God anyway. We, we all have our own version of wanting a pet tiger. We, we all have our own version of something that wouldn't be good for us, that wouldn't be a good idea, but that we're meant to go and tell God about anyway. Um, and part of that process is meant to be us receiving wisdom from the Lord on what would actually do the trick, what would actually satisfy us, what would actually make us happy, and then learning how to experience those things together with the Lord. The important thing here, the point here, is that when you get confused on this prayer stuff, think about the way you would want to interact with your little five-year-old son or daughter, the way you would want to be towards them, the way you would want them to be towards you, and that's usually going to line out most of what a healthy prayer life will look like. Absolutely great point. All right, move on to our next question here. It came into our Tumblr inbox. It says, I've been going to a church for around two or three years now, and I've always been a bit of an outcast. The longer I go, the more I get pushed out and treated like a foreigner. It's as if they don't want me there and aren't afraid to show it. It's gotten so bad that every time I go, I come home feeling worthless and like I was nothing. My parents refuse to let me go elsewhere and don't believe that anything is actually happening. This is hurting my faith and the stress is killing me. What do I do? Glenn, kick us off. Well, uh, this is what you call a deeply uncool situation. Uh, uh, If you're not, I'm, I'm sure you sense that, but... Uh, it's important for us to reflect that back to you. Uh, the other thing that that um, uh, that you deserve, I think, to hear specifically from me is that I've gone through what you're describing here. I've gone through the process of uh, being uh, the the one that in church that people don't want around. Um, there's two reasons why that will happen to anyone. Uh, you know, anyone in any kind of a a church type situation. Uh, one possibility is that you're an obnoxious person. Uh, the um, uh, when you're going through your teen years, your social development is you know in, in a certain amount of flux. There you you know you struggle to figure things out, and um, uh, you'll know that you're an obnoxious person because people give you that feedback that you're an obnoxious person and so that you'll be able to determine, okay, well, people don't want me around because I'm acting obnoxiously. Um, and that may be true in your case. Uh, I, I, it sounds like you've got enough self-awareness to be able to work that out. But um, if it's not the case that obnoxiousness is the reason why, uh, there's only one other reason why that can be, and that's because you're actually a really good really solid, authentic, squared away Christian. Uh, it turns out that in a lot of churches and a lot of ministries, that's just one thing we can't stand. Uh, we, can, we can't stand having someone who is uh, more authentically walking this thing, who's more um, uh, uh, you know, doing a better job at it uh, than the rest of us. Uh, all the guys on the podcast here, we all uh, do prison ministry stuff. We do ministry uh, in extreme situations, uh, you know, we work with gang members here in Chicago, uh, work with guys on the street and that kind of stuff. And 
uh, when people find out that that's what we do, uh, you would maybe think, I don't know what your impression of that is. You might think, well, people will think, wow, you know, these guys are super cool and, uh, you know, it's great to get to know those guys. But the, the reality is there's a certain type of Christian that enjoys feeling like the most Christian person in the room. Yeah. And the thing is, when we are in that room, they know that they're not the most Christian person in the room because it's not about acting straight and all the stuff they're trying to do. Uh, they recognize it's about living it out and that, that we're living that out in sort of an extreme way, at least by their perception. And uh, so there's a jealousy thing and whatever. So uh, it, when, when, uh, you know, when you're doing it in a way that makes everybody else look bad, uh, you have to recognize they're not going to throw you a parade and hoist you up on their shoulders and be thankful that you're there. They're going to want to get rid of you. So those are the only two possibilities. You know your situation. You know how to apply it. Uh, but I'm guessing it's the second of those two. Uh, assuming that, I think the first thing you need to do is find another place to be. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. other days of the week and other things going on. Ho right. Hopefully your school has a Young Life program, a Campus Life program, a Fellowship for Christian Athletes program, maybe even just a Bible study of some sort that happens either on campus or off campus. If not, maybe think about starting one with some people that, uh, that you can be cool, that you can hang out with. Uh, but I think that step one is finding another place. And here's the thing. Uh, the One of the most rare things in the world is... Uh, to be around people, uh, and rare and good things in the world, is to be around people who know what you bring to the table and value what you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And in, in my spiritual journey, that has been the hardest thing to find point blank. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's it's worth looking for that and, and searching for it. And, uh, and I pray that you find it, and I, I think there's a very good chance that you'll find it. Um then I think you need to start talking with your parents about this. And here's, here's the conversation, uh, what that conversation needs to look like. Uh, you know, Mom and Dad, I have found another place where I can get my fellowship needs met. Uh, my, you know, we do a little worship there. We do a little Bible study. Uh, there's good accountability. There's good friendship. There's good fellowship. Everybody, It's all good stuff here. Uh, I respect that you want for us to be together as a family and worship together as a family on Sunday. I think that's a fine idea. I'm happy to go to church with you on Sunday for us to do that as a family activity. But what I'm talking about is my solo thing. You know, that in other words, the family isn't going to the youth group. I'm going by myself to youth group. Uh, I don't think that that needs to happen in the same place where we all worship together. Uh, and it's my spiritual development. I think if I find a place where that I'm getting better spiritual development over here versus over there, I think that's what you would want from me. I'm trying to say I want to take this thing to the next level. I don't want to be held back by being over here. Um, I don't know how your family might react to that, but I think if you say, hey, look, I've been going to uh, the Young Life program or whatever it is, and it's been going really well, and I think it's really been benefiting me, then I, I think you've got a little bit of, a, of an angle there. And I think the, the, the real question mark, and I know uh, Lee will get into this and, and Jed will as well. Uh, I want to know where the youth leader is in all of this right. thing. Because uh, exactly. uh, I, I think uh, ultimately you might want to have a conversation with a youth leader where you say, dude, uh, you don't want me to be here, apparently. Otherwise, you'd be fixing this situation. I don't want to be here. 
the person so you and i are on the same page the pro the person you have a problem with is my parents who are forcing me to be here so i'm going to be sitting over here in the corner doing my homework if that bothers you i tell you what get on the phone with mom and dad and you sort that out with them that's that's just with you and them that's not my concern uh uh you know uh you guys aren't crazy about me, frankly. Love y'all, but I ain't crazy about you either. So why don't we uh, figure out a way to go our separate ways? Absolutely, Jed. Yeah, I just echo um, really pretty, everything Glenn said. Uh, and we're sorry you're going through this. We really are. Um, I can relate completely and totally to everything you're describing. It's it's a crappy place to be. Um, let's talk about your parents for a second. Uh, there's a few details here that unfortunately we don't have. If you're an adult, in other words, if you are in the U.S., if you're over the age of 18 and whatnot, um, your parents don't get a say in what you do. Uh, they don't get a say in where you go to church. And um, I think it's fine if you want to, to try and take one more keen whack at explaining to them, this is a bad situation for me. I don't feel supported. I don't feel respected. I don't feel built up. Um, um, you know, and that's why I'm going to be going elsewhere. Um you don't owe them that, but if you want to do that, that's fine. But the truth is, if you get any pushback at all, again, if you're, uh, you know, an adult, if you're, you know, a majority age, that's a good moment to say, understand, I'm not asking, I'm telling. Mm -hmm. um, I, I am going somewhere else. You don't get a vote in this. The other thing I'd encourage you to look at, and we talk about this fairly regularly on this podcast, and, and uh, Lee has brought this up many times, he's right, is if you're in a place where your parents are um, kind of both controlling and clueless, it's a good time to find another place to live because uh, right. that's the, the truth is that kind of environment is not going to be limited just to this church stuff that's going to be going on in other areas of your life too so um if if you're an adult and this is not an extremely isolated thing where they just happen to be kind of weird about this one thing it, we need to find another place to live just period um but again uh, if you're an adult they don't get a say at all and you don't owe them a say in it um you have a responsibility to and before god to go to a place where your spiritual needs are getting met and this is not doing that if you're not yet an adult, I'm really sorry. Um, it's a crappy thing. I think Glenn is absolutely right that it's worth making a pitch um, to your folks and explaining, yeah. look, uh, my faith is really important to me. I want to take it seriously. I um, uh, feel like this other thing um, uh, does a little bit better of a job of serving those spiritual needs. And um, I'm not asking you to go. It's just something I'd like to be doing. Um, you know, most parents, I can't imagine having a problem with that. Um, there are some out there, unfortunately, um, that that would. But I think, you know, trying, like Glenn's saying, trying to, to help sell them a little bit on what the deal is is, is certainly it's about the best you can, you can shoot for. Um, I think one of the things you can do, too, and it's not ideal, but you can look to develop a certain degree of spiritual community online um, if you are in that extreme situation of um, your parents not being willing for you to go anywhere else, and so you have no other options. Um, you know, uh, um, And certainly, we'd love to be praying for you. We'd love to hear from you. Um, uh, and the last thing I'd say, too, is um, part of the stress that you're feeling, you say the stress is killing you, is it's... Uh, there's a fancy uh, term, uh, that term is cognitive dissonance, but it's it's the sense in your brain of, it all looks to me like this entire church is composed of a bunch of jerks, but that can't be right, I don't know what to believe, and that not knowing what to believe part is what's causing so much stress. Right, um, right now in this moment, we can put that to rest. They're all jerks. Right. It's You're not imagining it. And this isn't an unheard of thing not either. Not at all. It, it, it sounds, you might feel like you're the only one who's going through this and 
all that. But this is we hear this stuff and and we experience this stuff ourselves. Absolutely right. So given that, I think you know the things before you. If you're in a position where you're going to have to be at this church for at least a little while longer, and we hope that's not the case, but but if it is, I'd encourage you make up your mind. It's not me. It is them. These these people have issues. They have problems. So I am going to correspondingly change my expectations. I'm going to go to this expecting that it will suck. I'm not expecting to get anything out of it. I'm expecting that they will act uncool, and I'm going to have my guard up about that. Right. I'm not going to be vulnerable about things. I'm not going to be sharing my yeah. life with them. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be looking for them to speak into my life. I'm not going to be looking for them to encourage me. Um, there's no difference between this and going to the dentist. Um, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm going to take a book with me. Um, I'm going to try and kill time and then beat it out as quickly as I can. That takes something from being a terrible situation to a crappy one we can't wait for it to be over. But the truth is, crappy can't wait for it to be over is a lot better than terrible. Uh, but this is my last thing before I throw it to, to Lee. There's a lot of variables here that have to do with the specifics of your situation. Please write us and let us know what your deal is so we can help find something that's a good fit for you, uh, help you work out the details of your situation because we want to see you get where you're going and we don't want you having to put up with anything that you don't have to put up with. Absolutely, Lee. <clears throat> well, I appreciate the question. And uh, one thing that I would suggest is if you are a minor, um, go back and listen to Glenn's answer again, specifically the part where he talks about this is how the conversation with your parents needs to go. Yeah. I can tell you as a parent who loves Jesus... The thing that Christy and I pray for for our kids constantly, I mean constantly, is that they will develop their own love for Jesus, their own relationship with Him. The key element in the uh, the kind of the the kind of uh, the example conversation that Glenn gave for you to have with your parent was the 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 moment in that conversation where he said, "This is my spiritual development." Okay, that look. If I'm telling you right now. If my 15-year-old, like, you know, my, my daughter who's 10, when she's 15 years old, if she comes to me and says, I think I want to go to a different church, and these are the reasons why, this is the one I'm looking at, it's biblically sound, all that kind of stuff, and this is the encouragement that I get there, and even though you work at this church, uh, my spiritual development is important to me. I, my walk with Jesus, in other words, my walk with Jesus is important to me, and I feel like I can grow here. Dude, that's that's the thing I've been praying for for this child's entire life. So if your parents are walking with Jesus and they, they, they love you, they want to see you grow in the Lord, if they see you taking a hand in your own spiritual growth and, and caring about that, hey, game over. That's, that's the thing that that us parents that love Jesus are praying for the whole time. So, so go back and check out that, that, that part of Glenn's answer again. The thing, the last thing that I would focus on here is exactly where Glenn was leading to at the end of this, which was, because we don't know the specifics of this situation, um, is you need to talk to, you need to talk to that youth leader and you need to give them a chance to, to, uh, to, to help you figure this thing out. The reason I say that is that I've been involved in youth ministry for a lot of years and in those years, we've had people come into the youth group. We've had people go out of it. I've had people go out of the group, and then months later, I found out that they just felt like they weren't welcome, and they didn't they didn't feel like the 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 group wanted them there. They didn't feel reached out to or anything like that. I can tell you from my from my own part as as the the person that's leading that group, that's bewildering to me 
You know, I, I, I don't understand how that happened. I mean, we are warm. We greet them. We have leaders who are going after these people to know them and all that kind of stuff. I pray for every single one of them. You know, anybody that walks in the door, we're praying for them. We want to get to know them. I go to their high school to try to hang out with them, become friends with them, all that kind of stuff. So we're approaching them, trying to be warm and inviting and all that kind of stuff. And yet people do feel that way. And I'm not saying they're making it up, but they're... But if if those people had come to me and said, this specifically is the reason that I don't feel connected or or the the reason I felt left out, you know, there was some drama at school with so-and-so, and now I feel like the whole room's against me or whatever the thing is, give that youth leader the, the benefit of the doubt long enough to try to figure this thing out. Because it could be that there's just some variable, like Jed said, there's some variable that we don't know of in this that might be an easy fix. And um, I, I say that because I have had several people leave our youth group and then on the back end say, and I just felt like everybody hated me the whole time. And it's like, boy, we really, really didn't. We really didn't. And that's, and I'm, I feel terrible that you felt that way about your experience here. I wish I would have known because we would have done something about it. So that's, that's one part of this that I would say, because it could be, it, it could be that people just don't know that they're really, really stepping on your toes in an area and they don't mean to, and they don't want to and stuff like that. I will say this parting on this is that sometimes in these types of groups, you'll have a, a pile of kids over here that are all friends with each other. And then you got other kids that don't really have friends that go to the youth group, and they kind of are by themselves. And what you're dealing with are people that are 13, 14, 15 years old. They don't have the maturity and that and the depth of maturity of their walk yet, where they're, you know, really reaching out and you know inviting everybody and encouraging, serving everybody and stuff like that. They're learning these things. They're they're learning these things in the process of being in this group, but they don't exactly necessarily know how to do that yet. And so it, it would be worth talking to that youth group leader to find out if there are ways that we can maybe do a unit on what it means, you know, in the Bible study, uh, on, on what it means to include each other and what it means to be a family, what it means to have each other's back, what it means, uh, all this kind of stuff. So there are some things that we could do possibly if we knew some more variables in your situation to be able to, to, to simple fix this. Um, but let if it's if you feel like it's possible at all, let's give that youth group leader a chance to take a swing or two at this. That's a great point. One more thing I'll throw on the end here. Um, just a real basic practical thing. And if you're thinking about having a conversation with your parents that not only to this situation, but bears repeating in a lot of situations is uh, Glenn made the point, and it's a very good one, of um, having something else lined out you're trying. No matter who you're pitching something or trying to convince, uh, make an argument with somebody, um, to not have any answer is not great. If you go to your parents and say, I don't want to go to this church anymore, possibly, if you're a, especially if you're in a certainly a kind of more conservative area, what they might be hearing is, I don't want to go to church anymore, and they're not even going to entertain that conversation. So no matter what good reasons you have for it to treat me this way, da, 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 it's not going to build in. As Glenn's saying, if you can have some, uh, some people like positivity, yeah. so if you can, I want to go to Young Life or... Uh, you know, I want to try to go to church with this friend or that friend and see if I can find something that's maybe right. a little better fit. That's all. I'm not saying they're going to go for it, but I'm going to say just based on the way kind of uh, human psychology works, you're going to get a better chance of getting some of that as, as opposed to something more confrontational, which especially in your situation is has at least an undertone, if not an overtone, of the church you want to keep going to sucks. 
Therefore, you may be able to infer some feelings about that I have about you based on that, and all that's yeah. kind of not going to be helpful. Yeah, if you bring a problem, it helps to have a solution, you know, and that's, as you say, it's just kind of, you know, good uh, uh, interaction with people. Yeah, if you think about that, in any whether that's school or work or whatever, anytime you're trying to convince somebody to uh, switch things up, it really helps to have a well-lined-out plan of something to go to. Yeah. Amen. All right, and as these guys talk about, if you want to follow up with us more, uh, our email address is a great way to do that. You can get a little longer form and uh, just – it will be very clear to me that uh, to not put it on the podcast – about only about 25% of the things that get sent to that email address end up on the podcast. A lot of them are more like this, kind of going more in-depth. So we'll give that email address at the end. That's a great way to do that. We're going to move on to our last question here. It came into our Tumblr. It says, I'm curious about seeing indicators of God's love and approval in our lives today. How are you reminded each day that God loves you beyond just feelings of closeness all the time? Jay, can you kick us off? Matt's a great question. That's a really, really strong question. Ernie, we appreciate you writing in with that. The answer to your question in my life is thankfulness. Um, basically, it, it's weird to say it, man, but um, it, when I choose to be thankful, I am constantly reminded of God's love and approval in my life today. I mean, I can't escape it. If I'm not choosing to be thankful, nothing reminds me of God's love and approval in my life today right. at all. Um, right. in, in other words, the idea that sometimes you just wake up, it's like, wow, God just loves me and approves of me so much. Maybe I'm alone. I don't experience very much of that. Um, just out of thin air. But when I choose to be thankful, when I choose to um, uh, go through the action of thanking God for his goodness in my life, it's kind of like um, getting momentum going where at first you're like, you know, God, I'm thankful for this and I'm thankful for the way that you came through for me over here. And then you start to catch a gear with it. You go, but but I'm also thankful for this thing over here and that one over there. And man, if you hadn't come through for me in this way five years ago, I would have been completely messed up, but you did, and I'm really thankful for that. And all of a sudden, you've completely changed your outlook, not just on yourself, but on your life, on God's participation in it. And this is the thing, um, uh, this is something a lot of people don't know. If you were to develop one spiritual discipline in your life that would keep you strong as a Christian for the rest of your life, it's yes. thankfulness. Say that's, that, say that's that. That's the Amen. number one thing you can do as a Christian. And understand, there's a difference between thankfulness as, oh, I just go around being thankful. Just that's the way I am. I, I don't mean that. I mean disciplining yourself to engage right. in the act of giving thanks. Right. working it out. Uh, I'll give you just a, a peek behind the curtain in my life. This, for me personally, has been a really crappy week in my life. Um, I mean, really, really, really bad. Both for me and my wife, we had a bunch of really not good news, um, had a bunch of health problems in this past week, just out of nowhere, um, just a lot of really not fun stuff. And I'm because I am a not good human being in a lot of ways, it's easy for me to take all that and go in direction of probably God doesn't care about me at all. Probably he's not even going to come through for me. Probably he hates me. Probably he's abandoned me. Now, if you ever had those thoughts in your brain, uh, welcome, because I've had them in mine. Um, but in that moment, what I know, and this is just in my own life, this is what works for me. I'm going to pass along you. What I know is if I start thanking God, for things. It's going to change everything. Yeah, um, yeah I've, I've had some health problems, but you know what? I was able to go to a doctor about those health problems. There's people that are not able to do that. And I was able to go and get the medicine 
that I needed to deal with that problem. There's people that are not right. able to do that. And I was able to get in a car to go to that doctor's appointment. There's people that are not able to do that. I was able to put gas in that car. There's people that are not able to do that. I was able to buy M&Ms while I was at the gas station in order to help oh, me yeah. not hate the world. There's a lot of people who can't buy M&Ms or live in a place where they don't have M&Ms. And before long, I realized, you know what? God is taking great care of me. There's a lot of details I don't like. There's a lot of things I'm not crazy about. There's a lot of things I wish were different. But I can't deny that dude loves me and he's there for me and he's got my back here's my last point before i pass it on that thankfulness works for today but it doesn't work for tomorrow when i wake up tomorrow i'm gonna have to do it again i'm gonna have to get that thankfulness working again and i'm gonna have to spin it up again it's gonna feel like i'm stepping into a cold bath because i won't feel like being thankful i still don't feel good physically with the health thing so you know why would i be thankful but by the third or fourth or fifth thing i'm thanking god for i'm gonna be like you know what he does love me he does have me he does care for me so that's it for me man it's thanksgiving absolutely lee that was awesome um ernie you're an awesome dude man i love your uh Love your instincts for ministry. Love the stuff that you're all about, and we're grateful that you'd write in. Um, I, I totally agree with with Jed. I think about that verse in Psalm 116 about offering a sacrifice of praise. You know, the, or a sacrifice of thanks. You know that that I'm I'm thanking God even when I don't feel like it, which is like Jed said, is totally a discipline. I think the thing that I would add on to this next is a, a few weeks ago, we were asking some of the leaders, some of the, the people who volunteer their time to hang out and help us do ministry with our high school folks, to share with our high school folks what their, what, what their time with the Lord looks like. And one of, our, one of our volunteer leaders was telling our high school kids that, that when she, you know, her, her time with the Lord, it doesn't specifically just look like a time where she sits down in a quiet room and opens up the Bible and stuff like that. She said her time with the Lord is, is basically all day, that she is always in whatever situation or conversation she's in, she's looking for stuff the Lord is doing. She's looking for him to show up. She's expecting him to be good to her. She's expecting, she's expecting to, him to give her peace and grace in the middle of trials and, and struggles and stuff like that. She's always looking around. I, I was reading a book one time by a guy who said, if you, and, and which I've never really seen one of these, but apparently I guess something that people used to do is they would go out into meadows and fields with the, with a net. And I guess they would collect like butterflies or whatever. It's like it, I, the only thing I've seen this kind of like butterfly net thing is like in old cartoons, but this is apparently a thing people used to do. And what this guy was saying was when you have, when you go out into a meadow or a field with a butterfly net, you know, you don't come home at the end of two or three hours with a net full of sticks and twigs and leaves. You either have butterflies or you don't, but you're looking for that thing. And one of the things that I've noticed is in my relationships and my friendships and stuff like that, if I'm looking for God, if I'm looking for the proofs that God loves me, if I'm looking for the things that encourage me, then I find them. If I don't, if I'm not looking at all, I'll never see them because I will be, I will be discouraged. I will be confused. I will be pissed. I will be, I will be uh, bombarded with all of my natural emotions and natural ways of seeing the world. But if I'm, if I'm keyed up and I'm ready and I'm looking for the Lord to be good to me, it makes all the difference in the world. And the last thing that I would say on this is that I, and this is something I do on purpose, is I get myself around the people who love me and encourage me the most. 
I, I don't make any bones about that. I, I on purpose, I have uh, friends and people that I work with and people that I minister with who are good to me, who believe in me, who encourage me about myself, and who remind me uh, of the love of God, who remind me of the things that God's doing in their life. I get myself around those people. I have good friends who love Jesus, who walk with Him. And it's not that they're always happy and sunny and smiley and all that kind of stuff. They have struggles and problems, just like everybody else. But we encourage one another. And that's the way the family of God is supposed to do. And on purpose, I've have those, I have those people in my life. And I can call on them when I need to be prayed for. I can call on them in the, middle, in the middle of a trial or a struggle. And they encourage me about myself. When I don't know who I am, I know who to go to. And that's a huge thing. And these people reflect the love of God to me in, in so many ways all the time. Amen. That's a great point, Glenn. Uh, yeah, you know, when I'm reading here, are you saying... Uh you know, uh, how are you reminded that God loves you each day beyond just feeling close all the time? Well, I think it would be super cool if all of us felt close to God all the time on this podcast. Uh, We'd be pretty seriously holy. Totally. If that were the case. Faint Um, glow of anointing about us. Yeah. That's not really what happens. Um, (laughs) if If you... heard a transcript of my prayers you would be pretty shocked i think you know that would be that would be about a thousand times more raw than you would ever imagine at the prayer so life this was this this is not even edited enough to appear on the the steamy romance novels. yeah you 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 would it, it yeah you just uh as we as they say where i come from it would blow your wig back so um just letting that sink in for a minute uh but uh yeah if you if you could be sort of a fly in the wall and 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 watch the the course of my relationship with god i it it wouldn't be about feeling close all the time i think there's i think i probably have a little more intimacy than a lot of people uh in the faith I, i'm not i that does unfortunately that's not reflected in me being straighter than a lot of people in the faith but i think there's an intimacy there but i think that's really just based on the honesty sure. and the honesty is the part that i think again to other people wouldn't look very christian sure so um i don't know that i actually have the thing that you're looking for there i i think you would what you may be hoping to find is something that's kind of a, uh, you know, a, a sort of a pink cloud of uh, uh, God's love and stuff, and being surrounded by that. And I don't have that. What I have is is something where the Lord and I are, are engaged in stuff. We're wrestling with stuff. We're contending with stuff. I have frustrations I want Him to deal with now, even though I know there's a reason why I'm going through it. I have stuff that I want fixed that's not. Be getting fixed and maybe it is getting fixed but not fast enough but i have uh problems and limitations and and there's a lot of as jed and i were talking about the other day you know, with each other there's there's a lot of injustice Absolutely. i want to see that it's just wrong man squash you know? him squash yeah. him like a bug yeah i mean you know it's just lord please strike down and leave nothing but a greasy spot where this brother is <laughs> in, thing, thy mercy. in thy mercy you know that's that's the kind of that that's my prayer life right there um but here's the thing is it's about um 
the tone of voice that God gives me when he responds to that. Okay. That's where I feel the love. Okay. So you were, you were talking about indicators, and I don't know if I like looking for indicators just as a concept. Here's the thing. God loves me. I accept that as a fact. I need no evidence to cause me to believe it. There is no evidence I could receive to cause me to stop believing that. I've just accepted it as a fact. Uh, but the thing that assures me of that, the thing that, that, that uh, you know, keeps me from being able to depart from that, uh, the thing that makes me aware of it, the thing that gives me all the intimacy is the way God responds. I mean, in, in other words, if I say to God, I, and, and I do, you, th- you know, maybe some people think Jed and I are joking. On a regular basis, I say, Lord, if you could only smite this brother. Everything would be great. Everything would be great. You know, this, and how can this be allowed to happen and so on and so forth? I can go to the Lord and say that, and I know I'm wrong. <laughs> I you have know. a gun in my room. I could go get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just how, just, you know, uh, you know, th- this this place is corrupt. Let's just burn it down. Jed, what are we King talking? of the creepily contextless movie quote. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing is, if I, it, the, the thing is, I know I'm wrong about that on some level. But if the Lord comes to me and says, well, I see what you mean by that. Well, then suddenly it's about a thousand times easier for me to take it. It's easier for me to, you know, give it up and say, all right, well, whatever you want, Lord. As long as you see my point, yeah. then I, I can relent, you know. <laughs> as long as you're on the case, I, I, I can stand down because what do I know? So um, there's a great deal of comfort in that, you know. There's a great – and if the Lord says, now let's talk about the stuff you're doing wrong, well <laughs> – Oh, and then humility enters the picture, and that's Wait, you know. I thought this was all about mercy and forgiveness, <laughs> right, man. You know, yeah. So, you know, uh, you, uh, suddenly uh, the way the Lord challenges me, the way He encourages me, the way that He understands. Oh, I wish I could tell you about the understanding when you know how much God understands about you you'll understand his love you'll get a sense of his love you'll be cemented in that relationship there it, you forget about indicators and signs and wonders and fires and miracles and all the rest of that stuff if god tells you if you tell god the thing you're most ashamed to say out loud and you say that to him and he says i understand that that makes sense i know where that comes from i don't judge you on that i don't reject you on that it's not right you know it's not right here's what we're going to do to move on if you, if you hear that, I, I cannot tell you how hard it is for all these sin manipulations to stick to you, all the guilt and the shame and the fear, all those things. So that's what I would, that's what I'd really suggest to you is getting alone with God, getting in prayer, being honest and authentic and really listening for the tone of voice that, because it's, there's always a soothing and supportive and encouraging tone there. Amen. All right. If you have a question for the podcast or if you uh, heard something you want to follow up more on, you can get us at saythatpodcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you're writing to the Tumblr, just uh, let us leave me a little note letting me know that one's for the podcast. Remember, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash BBLY. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. She looked up at the bartender into his dark eyes. Something about his smell was familiar to her. (laughs) Bacon, dirt in the sun, dry grass mixed with clean soap. (laughs) Making night decorations since 2012.